Welcome back to DevCast on DevSum this year in Stockholm 2016. And with me today I have Dominic Bayer, a real German, or? That's actually, that, that sounded German, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But you are Hello. from Germany. I am, I'm, from, I'm from Germany, yeah. yeah. And you are a really, really expert on ASP.NET uh, security, or security in, uh, in a more broader sense. When I s- said to my wife that I should talk with you, she said it's been, she has been on one of your workshops a long time ago. Oh, wow. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I think she said it was okay. Yeah, I, I, it might be... Uh, Okay-ish, yeah. <laughs> okay. So I mean, security is such a broad topic mm. these days, mm. right? So I, I, I actually started with all things security. So in, you know, when I, when I, when I tell my my neighbor I'm doing security, he said, "Oh, you're installing the virus scanners, right?" <laughs> so no, <laughs> you know, it, 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 it's so different, yeah. I mean, um, when I started with security, it, it was all about firewalls and you know that's you know hacking, yeah. And um, right, you not know, these days. I'm pretty much focusing exclusively on everything like authentication authorization related so i'm not a pen tester i i i used to do pen testing and i think it's a very important lesson to learn in 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 the life of a security guy that you will never ever say again that that's impossible because everything's possible you just have to know the right bits (laughs) that that you have to send to to a piece of software um but yeah um i i moved basically to you know, to, to, to authentication, authorization, um, okay. did a lot of WCF stuff back in the days. Uh, and, and yeah, and these days it's all about web APIs and, uh, and you know, JavaScript and sparse and um, web, the web, for, basically. For, for me, a security and, of course, authentication and all that kind, it's, it's rather it's like a beast for me. Okay. <laughs> I'm afraid of it, but I really need to, to learn to, to handle it. Yeah. Uh, how do you handle this? Is it simpler now, or is it? What, what's the what's the story? Do you think I mean, that no, nothing common? is nothing is simple in life, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, every technology has complexity to it, and I, I guess you have to be interested in it. So you know, um, but you you need to do it anyway if you don't if you are interested in it. So you need to secure your sites and so on. That's so. an an interesting turn. Yeah, I mean, only the last four or five years. Um, people got really, really interested in security not because they wanted to be more secure because I think they realized that security is a feature now that you can sell. And security enables business cases that you wouldn't otherwise, you wouldn't have like, you know, like your Google login, you know, or your federation with your business partner. That's that's security and you're missing out if you don't do that. Mm. And you have been working with uh, ASP.NET for a very long time. I I was looking up uh, your first book ASP.NET, developing more security. Horrible title, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So how how have this uh, field evolved during all these years? So I'm one of those those guys that also started with .NET, like in version 1.0, and and then got more and more interested and, um, and then basically quit my job as a pen tester by the time to you know I mean so when I when I became a pen tester it, it, it wasn't it, it wasn't my first choice to be honest yeah it basically uh, I I was coming from college and looking for jobs and it was like 99 and there was a dot, dot com crisis and there there, there, there there was no interest in developers and so um, a friend of a friend of a friend had a company that that, that that they just started up and doing security and they needed someone to, to who can write code so it's okay 
do you think like you want to learn that stuff and, and write some scripts, for example? And and then I, I got interested in it. And um, but then after a while, once you knew all the different ways to uh, to basically hack a web server, you want I wanted to, to switch gears again and come back the to good the guy. being the guy that helps <laughs> other people to, to harden their stuff. Uh -huh. So I quit my job. I applied for a job at a company called Developmentor by the time, which was a famous training company. Really famous, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and got accepted. Uh, I inherited the famous .NET security class from Keith Brown by the time. And yeah, and then ever since, focused on developer security on the .NET framework. And then, yeah, and then the book. So I, you know, it's... I had, I had writing a book like it, it was on on my bucket list, right? So you, you wanna you wanna write a book, yeah. Um, all the other guys did at developmental, so I thought like I have to write a book as well, and um, yeah. And it, it took me 14, 14 months. Full time or no? Well, as much time as possible, yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, I'm 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 not native native speaker English. It was my first. I think it has five hundred pages. So. It was a huge undertaking for me by the time to write a book. Uh, um, actually, that was the first time I've, I was burned by by writing on based on beta software, because I, I started writing on Ethernet 2 while it was being developed, and that was an important lesson to learn, I guess. <laughs> you should, you know, um, and the Ethernet core thing is a good example for, of that. Yeah, that uh, one as long as as the stuff isn't released things will change <laughs> and they changed substantial things just before the release so it, it took a long long time to write this book and and it yeah. was obsolete when it was released yeah right? so the, the the publisher was MS Press and they asked around in, in the product teams like okay so we we want to put the version 2.0 it, it was just released yeah <laughs> uh, 2.0 on, on the cover so how when do you think will there be a new version of .NET and they said like yeah that's going to be out for two two years or so um, old Microsoft yes <laughs> two years exactly yeah um, and so they, they, they printed the, the book mm -hmm. it, it said ASP.NET 2.0 on the, on the cover and like six months later they, they released uh, .NET 3.0 and I think you know 3.0 was the addition of the WCF WPF you know workflow stuff and ASP.NET was unchanged but it was the old version now and basically the book was in the shelves and nobody wanted it um, so I, I still have some copies um you know. Okay, <laughs> but uh, is it that in uh, in the security space that it uh, is going very fast? In uh, what, what's happening? No, then? no, it isn't. But if you you know that was the time, 2006 I think or five I can't remember, um, where you went to a bookshop, right? And you had a shelf, and you were seeing a book uh, which was on an old version. Why would you buy that? Yeah, you you you, you know, there's a, another book based on the new version. So. I don't know. Um, it, it didn't work out. Uh, it, it was an interesting experience. It, it helped me finding out that, uh, that I'm never going to write a book again. <laughs> but you have uh, done uh, many contributions to other books. So yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and blogging, I think, is a really nice way to do. You know, you you control the size of the article. You control the, the publishing. You control when you want to publish it. Um, so the blocking is something I, I, I much more enjoy. Still, even if I heard that blocking is going away and it will be replaced by Twitter, <laughs> like micro blogging. Yeah. yeah. So, so uh, 
what's the big difference then between ASP.NET and ASP.NET Core regarding security? Is it any big differences? Oh yeah. Uh, so ASP.NET Core is, is is basically a file new project. Everything is, has been rewritten, you know, from scratch. Nothing is the same as, as it was before. Not the libraries, not the runtime, nothing. Yeah. So they actually, when when you followed the last releases, it, it's not that new um, because they had something called Katana before. Katana was like a stepping stone technology. You know, Microsoft knew a long, long time that they're going to make this big breaking change. And they released Katana um before so that people can migrate to the new mindset if you like and then the, the, the jump will not be as big once core comes along um, I, I always ask when, I, when I'm doing talks how, how many people do katana and almost no one does so it basically you know the intentions were good but people think I guess why make two jumps if I can do it in one yeah. so yeah um, the way you do authentication is, is fundamentally different because in um, ASP.NET Old, there was this thing called the HP pipeline, the IIS pipeline, where you had this, you know, these predefined steps like a begin request, uh, authenticate request, authorize request, and so on. And um, Microsoft pre-registered many, many modules that handle these things. You know, even sometimes stuff that you don't need, like the session, the session module. I mean. Nobody should use session in ASP.NET, yeah? Um, but it was very hard to get, to get rid of the module. So basically, your code was traversing 14 years of, of legacy code in, on the call stack just to reach your modern web, web API that, or maybe, maybe not web API, but um, MVC, right? To, um, um, yeah, so they, they thought, like, let's, let's, let's reverse that idea and give you no pipeline or an empty pipeline. Right, and you add the stuff that you really need. So, um, a very common theme in ASP.NET Core is you do something and nothing happens. Why? Because you're missing the right module or middleware, as they call it now. Yeah, and, and that's what they do with authentication as well. So, authentication is middleware now. There's a cookie middleware, which is very similar to the to the forms authentication module. Um, there are other middlewares. They even have a, a small micro framework for writing authentication-related middlewares um, because they need some coordination between them. Um, there's a new abstraction called the Authentication Manager, which basically gives you a uniform API across authentication-related concerns, like sign-in, sign-out, challenge, authenticate. And um, what the Authentication Manager does is it calls the right middleware and then the middleware implements the actual, you know, low-level details of making sign-in work or sign-out. So in, in the case of the cookie middleware, signing in means creating a cookie, and signing out means deleting, deleting a cookie. But some other middleware might have a different way of what sign-in really means to, to it, and, and, you know, that's the abstraction now. The authentication manager is the, is the, the biggest visible change, I guess, when you're doing um, authentication that you're now interacting with this thing that hangs off the HP context and you say sign in and then it dispatches the work to a middleware. Yeah? Um, or when you do Google authentication, let's say you call challenge and then the Google middleware will do the Google protocol going to Google. Um, or OpenID Connect. Or well, when I think about ASP.NET, it's been out for so long time. It's been hardened with the no security issues and so on. And, but ASP.NET Core is rather new. Is it, uh, yeah. Could it be more security risks in that new code? 
By the way, I have done the podcast with Barry Doran. So. Oh, good, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that Barry is the guy that, that is responsible for that now. Uh, he's a really good guy. I, I knew him way before he joined Microsoft. Um, so, yes and no, I guess. I mean, new code always means new possible vulnerabilities, but it also means getting rid of old code, which is, you know, other possible vulnerabilities. Yeah? Um, I think they, they did a good job in um, making the, the whole framework, uh, turning it into smaller bits. Right, so it's easier to you know to, to audit and penetration test a single small DLL than system.web.dll, right? Which is this huge thing which which grew and grew over 16 years. Yeah, and you you never know. I mean, I once spoke to to um, to a guy from the ASP.NET team, and he said like we are fixing one bug in System Web and we open seven new, right? Because there, there's already so software out yeah, there yeah. that that relies on that bug. Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, it relies on that um, behavior, and if they change it, they're going to break the software. Um, so, so you think it's uh, it's better to, to start fresh and do a really good uh, implementation? Of the other it. thing they did um, is they they have bug bounty now, so that you if you find a security related bug in ASP.NET, uh, you get money for it if you report it to Microsoft, you know, in 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 a responsible disclosure kind of way, where you first talk to the vendor and give them enough time to fix it and then you can go public. Um, so many companies do that now these days. Uh, there are even people living off the bug bounty thing. Yeah, they, 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 all they do is hacking stuff and, and you know, getting the, 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 the bounty cash. Have you uh, written some code in ASP.NET Core? Have you done any contributions? Um, so we... Brock, uh, my... my so, 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 I'm working with a guy called Brock Allen, and, and he actually wrote the original course implementation for, for Web API. That was one of the first third-party contributions to ASP.NET in, in, at all. Yeah, um, I think that that's been retired. I, I, I don't know if, if, if that code is still being, you know, or, or if, if that's the basis for the new stuff. I, I don't know. Um, we, haven't, we haven't checked in any code into ASP.NET itself. But we are providing the token service components for ASP.NET Core. So in Katana, there used to be a middleware for, for issuing tokens. And I gave a lot of vocal feedback that I don't like this, um, this piece of code. And um, they said, okay, for ASP.NET Core, you're right, we're going to stick with what we know better, and that is consuming tokens. So now Microsoft provides all the middlewares for consuming tokens, that's OpenID Connect and uh, for OAuth. And uh, we, Brock and me, um, we, we provide this thing called Identity Server, which is the thing that issues the tokens. And that's also middleware. So, you know, the idea is that uh, you don't bake in all of that logic into your, into your business application, like all the logic for authenticating users and going to Google and correlating them back to your own users and so on. You, you, you create a separate authentication service that has all that logic and all of your business applications just use that service. Right, because the authentication service is being written by the guys that are interested in security, and the business services are written by hopefully by the guys that are interested in the business. Right? Because because they, they need to know the business domain much better. They they are not all security experts, and it's not you know I, I wouldn't enjoy writing a spreadsheet, so you know I, I leave that to people enjoying writing spreadsheets. Yeah? So so identity server is the is the the token service. Um, for ASP.NET Core, so to speak. And that's an open source product? Yes. That you, yeah. It's an open source project on GitHub. Uh, it's on github.com slash identity server. 
And um, version 3 is out for um, you know, a couple of years now, um, f based on Katana. And Microsoft approached us two years ago, maybe, or maybe, a, maybe one and a half years ago, if, if we would be interested in um, having um, um, a ported version for Core by the time they release Core, so that they can, you know, ha they, they have a story around the token-based um, modern authentication. Uh, one of the new things in .NET Core that we know about and, and probably will love is the cross-operating system that you mm. can run on Linux and Mac. And uh, Does this imply something with security? Is it something mm. that you need to think about because you have different oh, yeah. operating systems? So, yeah. Um, to be honest with you, the, the security part is right now the thing that doesn't really work cross-platform. Um, I mean, it's not not working, but it's, it's very hard because on Windows, we had the luxury that all of the crypto algorithms are baked into the operating system, right? I mean, that's a, that's a Windows feature, yeah? The, the CNG APIs, crypto APIs, and so on. So when you're moving now to different operating systems, that's not the case, yeah? So I, I've been on a, on, a, on a conference call or meeting even a couple of years ago where there was this big discussion, like, who will write these crypto algorithms if we go cross-platform? Yeah, so, and, you know, basically people were pointing at each other, like, why we don't re-implement this because we have FIPS certification for our, you know, and it's really, really hard to write crypto algorithms. I mean, even for crypto people, because there were timing attacks, for example, you know, like, like really subtle things where... Uh, where it you have to optimize for the operating system and platform you're running on. Otherwise, uh, you know, you, giving you this key takes half a second longer, or you know, even that, like, like a microsecond longer than, than giving you that key. You know, and, and based on timing differences, people actually hack these algorithms. It, it's totally crazy. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, people are like, yeah, we have we have this rock solid implementation on Windows. We can't implement that in managed code because managed code can't be that optimized as native code for these types of attacks. So what they ended up with is they're going to use um, basically... So the, 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 the most popular crypto library outside of Windows is called OpenSSL. And that is widely deployed on any Unix machine, including the Mac and so on. So now they basically wrote... Um, a version of the, the, the .NET crypto APIs that either use the Windows implementations on Windows or the OpenSSL implementation on other operating systems. That obviously creates um, a platform dependency. So you can't deploy OpenSSL with NuGet. So you have to install that first in the, in the right version. Um, the way that other operating systems handle key material is slightly different as well. So there are still some rough edges. I, I think it'll be fine, um, but right now, as we speak, there are open issues in the .NET Core repo that deal with exactly these differences between Windows and other operating systems. And obviously, all the developers on, on the .NET Core team, their background is Windows. They, they, they had to learn, you know, the, the other operating systems first before they can write really good code for it. Yeah? Mm -hmm. So, you know, it'll it'll be fine, I'm sure, but you have to learn. So the, the way OpenSSL works is fundamentally different than, than how things work on Windows. Different file formats, you know, command line tools versus, you know, click, click. And, um, yeah, but, yeah. Um, and that's a good point. I mean, again, where, where, where do we, where's the, where, where, where does the, the, the responsibility of Microsoft end? 
right? I mean, um, they, they can't do anything if they have an, a bug in OpenSSL. Yeah, I mean, uh, same, similar on Windows, but it's the same company. Yeah, so yeah, it, it's interesting. Uh, but I think op using op OpenSSL was the right choice because that's what everybody else does as well. So the pressure on OpenSSL fixing their stuff is really high. So I, I guess it was a much better choice than, than reinventing the wheel. And especially now after the, the security issue with OpenSSL. There are always, I mean, you know, every year we have issues with OpenSSL. Yeah, but, but it's also very but we special. Also have, but we also have issues with Windows, crypto APIs. I mean, you know, uh, it, it, sometimes it's them, sometimes it's us and vice versa. <laughs> yeah, so nothing's perfect. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, or I don't remember exactly the date, we released the release candidate two. Last week, last Monday. Yeah, it was last week. Yeah, and it has been some discussion about the differences between the release candidate one and release candidate two. Is it has that something to do with the security part, or is no, not at all. So, I mean, I don't work for Microsoft, so that's my take. Yeah, um, I so. The ASP.NET team was working for a long, long time on a modern, a mo you know, they, they looked at other web development stacks like Node.js and Ruby and so on, and they said like, okay, why why can these guys write a web server in four lines of code and we need four pages of XML config and 50 assembly references and, and Visual Studio and, you know, it, it's so complicated. So they, they, they started working on, on a much more lightweight stack. And... Um, it had a couple of names. Uh, I think the first public, the public name was Project K. Uh, then, uh, then afterwards they, they renamed to DNX, the .NET Execution Environment. And the idea was, yeah, to have um, a, a command line driven development experience. Yeah? Not no com magic anymore, and you know have to install Visual Studio on the build server, and you know just to make it work. So um, they came up with, with, with this thing called DNX, and DNX could run your application from, from the command line. They had a, a simpler project system called Project JSON that was um, you know, easier to get started with and, and so on and so forth. Um, and, and as part of that, they, they started running .NET cross-platform, which was always weird. Like, why is the ASP.NET team running .NET cross-platform? Wouldn't that be the .NET team's job, actually? <laughs> yeah? Um, and yeah, and, and at some point, this stuff became so popular that the .NET team said, like, hold on. <laughs> What are you doing here? <laughs> so you're saying you're building a .NET thing that only works for ASP.NET? I, I don't think so. <laughs> so now they, they had to move the responsibility to, to the .NET team. And by the same time, that the guy that ran the ASP.NET team got promoted to run the whole of the .NET team as well. So now we had a much bigger scope, right? Um, not just web development. It was WinForms and, and, and then Samarine happened as well, right? So it got more complicated. Um, some people don't like that at all. Um, some people say they should have stayed with their simple approach. Some people say like, yeah, but it, it doesn't make sense to have multiple approaches to the same thing. So to cut a long story short, between RC1 and RC2, they handed over the, 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 the foundational bits to the .NET team and they rewrote them or based, you know, extended them to have a, have a bigger, bigger scope than just running ASP.NET applications. And... So that, that changed that, the, the, pro, the project the JSON file and so that that will change, mm. yeah. But the, the much more much more the, the, the command line tooling. So DNX became now what what is called .NET. So DNX was the the, the thing that that ran your applications, and now they um, 
they now have a tool called .NET, and .NET has many, many things. Uh, it runs your applications, it compiles your applications, it uh, re restores packages, uh, NuGet packages, and so on. And .NET is now the, the, the native executable that runs on all, you know, like they, they have a Windows version, uh, a Unix version, a Mac OS version. And that is the thing that loads the, the, the CLR, that is the thing that compiles your code, that is the thing that runs your application. And the whole re, you know, the, the, the whole, it might seem a small change, but it's so low in the stack that it, that it, it affected especially the tooling around, you know, getting this thing working. And, and um, I'm, I'm always saying that, uh, that the runtime and the libraries themselves, they are in pretty good quality. But the first thing you see as a developer is the tooling. And that is not quite there yet. So that's the reason why they split the, the, the release schedule between we're going to release the runtime and the, the libraries in June, but the tooling will be still preview mode. And then, the pre, and then, and then I guess, you know, maybe September, October, that time frame, the, the, the tooling will become RTM. And, you know, the first thing you see is the tooling when you start learning a technology. And if that's not working, then you think, like, ah, maybe that's not working at all. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it was a big change. And it turns out that changing Visual Studio was the hardest part of it. You know, all the little right-click here and, you know, F5, the, the, the debugging experience, you know, all these things are, are you know, it's, uh, it, it's not trivial. Uh we should soon end the podcast, but I really want to, to ask you a bit of um, good practices, of course, yeah. for, for authentication. So, for example, should I always use OAuth now? Ha. OAuth is not an authentication protocol. <laughs> um, yeah, so OAuth, many people say, yeah, I, I'm, I'm using OAuth for authentication. Actually, the OAuth in OAuth stands for authorization. Um, it's a really bad word. Um, no, the, the, the thing you should use is OpenID Connect. So OpenID Connect is actually an authentication protocol that is based on OAuth. So OAuth is, OAuth is the part where an application can request access tokens. So you, you, want, you want to talk to an API, you, you need a token. OAuth is the protocol that, that describes how the client application interacts with the token service. Um, OpenID Connect on top is the thing that specifies how the human using, you know, sitting in, in front of the computer or, or holding the application in his hand actually authenticates with the server. So, yeah, for authentication, you should, you should use OpenID Connect. For access tokens or for API access, it's OAuth. And it, it doesn't matter if it's an internal application or external facing applications. The, it's the same um, advice? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I always say, like, if you have the luxury of a fully Windows-authenticated environment, yeah, then uh, you already have a token service built in. It's called the, the domain controller, yeah, and that already does everything. But not many people have this luxury to, to have only Windows, right? I mean, often it starts with Windows only, but these external partners, yeah, or, or these contractors or something, yeah, and uh, for, I mean, my main area of work is... I think it's business to customer, um, but that means now business, uh, it's a customer application, but the employees should be able to log in as well, right? And the employees are coming from, from Active Directory again, yeah? So I think Windows authentication only is a very rare scenario now because you have so many devices like your, your iPhone, your Android phone, they don't do Windows authentication at all, right? And, and saying Windows uh, authentication only will not work with these devices. So... 
Um, Token-based authentication gives you a nice abstraction layer because the, the APIs don't care about how that token got created. It's a concern of the token service. And you can, you know, and all that logic now lives in the token service where it should be, and everything behind that is, is agnostic to whatever, Windows, I don't care. Give me a token. Yeah, so um, the last question. Um, is it something that... Um, some pitfalls in the security that we uh, still do that you can uh, teach us not to do in the Oh yeah, so maybe the, the most common thing, I mean, there are many, <laughs> yeah? But um, in my area, like around authentication and APIs, um, the, the biggest thing I always encounter is uh, called cross-site request forgery. So, and the whole problem comes from when you authenticate API access with cookies. So, you know, many people started with, like, MVC. You had, like, your traditional postback-style application. Then they added more, more JavaScript code to the pages to make it more interactive. Then, obviously, to be interactive, you have to call APIs. Then they added API endpoints to the application. They, they used the cookie authentication mechanism that we used to use in MVC. And, um, and then, suddenly, um, they, they don't realize that um, MVC has... Um, uh, cross-site request forgery protection built in that, that API doesn't. So I, I've seen many, many APIs out there which use cookies for authentication but are not protected against the CSERF. And, um, and there's no easy fix for that because you have to change how you authenticate your APIs. Either you have to make them CSERF proof which makes them private APIs to your application so you can't share them across this app and your iOS client and your whatever client or you have to redesign them to be standalone APIs and switch to token-based authentication. Okay. And that's not an easy uh, config switch, it's, it's re-architecting. And so that, that's, a, that's a very common problem, yeah. Okay. Thank you very much, Dominic. We need Thank you. to get some food now, I think. It's, uh, it's so lunchtime. Yeah. Thank you very much and uh, be secure. Thank you. <laughs>